about six years ago, I came to this church as a guy from outside the denomination, didn't know much about Mount Tabor, but I do remember the first time that I sat in the church and I listened to the music, and I remember I, the, the thought I, that came to my mind was home. I was home. And uh, I, your team, Abby, uh, excellent. You know, they, they always say, uh, what do you want to highlight? You always highlight the best. And that's why I said, let's just have them sing. Let's just have them play and have the music this morning. And if, you, if chills did not go up and down your spine on death is arrested, then I'm, you're dead. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. That day when I stand before Jesus the first time, that's just going to be exciting. Just exciting to, uh, to see when you realize death was arrested. So, anyway, um, what I want to just briefly today, I want to talk about the significance of this day, this day that we that we recognize uh, uh, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As, as many of you know, and uh, just about a month ago, I spent some time in Turkey, and I was able to go and to uh, 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 tour the seven churches of the book of Revelation and where they were, what they were, uh, what's left of them, and, and that type of stuff. And it's just an exciting thing to see. Uh, it brought a lot of that alive to me, uh, where, oh yeah, I understand. That makes sense. You know, that type of stuff uh, is what you kind of experienced. And there was a place, uh, one place I haven't talked about, but it was a place called Necropolis. Anybody know what that necro means? Dead. Opolis means city. And it was, it was called Necropolis. It was the city of the dead. And it was basically just a, a huge cemetery is what it was. And uh, uh, that has since been ruined by grave robbers and that type of stuff. But they said there was, oh man, I, I can't remember what I wrote down, how many tens of thousands of, of graves that are actually there. And then we got done with that, and then we went to, uh, we went to Ephesus, and it was interesting to st stand at the place where Acts chapter 19 took place, where the Apostle Paul caused a riot in Ephesus, and be in that theater, where uh, just in that theater and look up, and 15,000 people can be in that theater. Somebody at the bottom of the theater can, can say something. You can hear it all the way at the top. It's just an amazing thing. And then we hopped in the bus, and we went across the valley, and we went to a church. And I knew nothing about this church, but the, you, you can see it in the foreground. Yeah, you can see it in the foreground. A little bit in the background is not really there, but that church was the Church of St. John. Uh, which John are you talking about? Because there's a lot of Johns in the Bible. <clears throat> this is the John that was really close to Jesus. The, the disciple that Jesus loved, John. It was John that uh, had his head on Jesus' bosom. It was John that, uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, where, Mary, uh, where Jesus, while he was on the cross, said, Here is your mother. Uh, John, this is your, your mother, and here's your son, and where Jesus gave uh, his mom Mary to uh, one of his disciples to take care of, and that was John. It was John that was on Patmos, if you remember. John that wrote the book of Revelation. John that was on Patmos, and is the, actually the only disciple that uh, died of natural causes. All the other disciples were, were martyred. And so, so they, they found his church 
And his church was actually like, uh, there's a foundation in Lima, Ohio. Anybody ever hear of uh, the George Quintman Foundation in Lima, Ohio? Okay, good. I didn't either. And so there's this foundation in Lima, Ohio that is funding the excavation of this, uh, of this church. Because most of these, all these ruins have been underground, under dirt, for hundreds and thousands of years. And so as you know, things uh, will, if it's not taken care of, will deteriorate, you know, go underground. And so originally this church looked this huge. I uh, don't have the dimensions on it, but this is the church of St. John, uh, the Apostle of Jesus. And as I said, this is what's left of it, okay? But this is what originally looked like that they're surmising. There was actually, even in the church, there was the baptismal of St. John was there. And what's, what's the most fascinating thing you see about this baptismal? By the way, uh, the church is at least 1,400 years old. All right, so I want to share that with you. 14. What is unique about this baptism? Anybody see it? It's almost a cross. What? It's almost a cross. Yeah, um, all the baptismals that I saw in, in the book of Revelation, was, uh, when they had a baptism, it was always in the shape of a cross. You can't see it, but the, there's two little um, uh, holes there, I guess. Okay, um, but what else do you notice about it? Anybody see this? There's water in it. This baptismal is 1,400 years old and still holds water. I'd be interested to see in 1,400 years if Mount Tabor's baptism still holds water. <laughs> and so this still holds water to today. Now, we asked anyone, did anyone want to be baptized in it? They all, it was green. So no, we don't want to be baptized. Okay. So, so another part of the Church of St. John is this. These are pillars, and at these pillars, in the middle of the pillar, is a grave. And in that grave is supposed to be the, the remains of St. John, or John the Apostle. Okay? And they asked me this question. They said, uh, the, the, the Muslim tour guide says, well, what do you think about this, Darwin? I said, out of all of the disciples... That were martyred and da 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 da. I think this one could be the most possibility being accurate. Because John died. And they had to bury his body, right? He wasn't burned or anything like that. They had to bury his body. And then um, and, and then they, they moved it from here, uh, from there to here. And I said, most likely, out of all of them, this would be the one. And then they said, well, Darwin, what do you think about this? I said, it's surreal. What do you mean by it being surreal? I said, listen, I am five to six feet right now from the bones or the DNA that touched Jesus. I said, we're from America. We don't have this. Our, 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 our nation is 200 years old, a little more than 200 years old. And so we don't have this. But to be here and say, I am right now five to six feet from the DNA or the bones. I don't know what's under here, but the bones are the DNA of the one who touched Jesus. And they said, well, how do you feel about it? Well, I'm not going to worship. 
I said, but I am in awe of this. Now contrast this, what I just shared with you, with this. 2016, um, restoration experts went to the tomb of Jesus, supposedly the tomb of Jesus, that's what they think it is, in Jerusalem. And they had to restore it, because if you don't take care of something, it's eventually going to fall apart, right? We had some storms that went through a couple weeks ago, and I noticed two barns that are down on 127. All right? Why did it go down? Because of the wind. All right? But also those those uh, barns were not in use uh, like we normally would. So uh, were they taken care of? I don't know, but I do know that those barns are down now. All right? After a period of time, you have to take care of it. You have to go in here. You have to repair, whatever. So that's what's happening here. So they actually opened up the tomb of Jesus. And there's a slab on top of the rock that supposedly is uh, the rock in which Jesus' uh, dead body was laying. And the person who was the first one in, this is what he wrote. This is what he said. He said, it's been 200, by the way, it's been 200 years since they've opened this tomb because they've had to restore it before. He said, I smell, I smelled myrrh. I smelled myrrh. With these shocking words, 49-year-old Restora Petros Alifatas of Magaria, uh, the first person in modern history to enter the tomb of Jesus. I don't know if I could have done it, by the way. Speaks about the unique experience he had in Jerusalem when the tomb was opened in the Church of the Resurrection. The words came out of his mouth with difficulty. Sometimes he breathed heavily. Sometimes he sighed. Sometimes he weeped. Sometimes he cried. The human mind cannot grasp the feeling that I experienced here, he said in his first words. <clears throat> the tomb was not supposed to be open. They only opened it because they were, they, they, there, there would be grouting in the masonry that they were afraid that something might cause damage to it. So they began the long story. They opened the tomb. And yes, I was the first one to go after the slab was shifted. And the tomb had, been, had not been opened since 1810 when the sacred canopy was made. Since then, it has not been opened. A few weeks ago, news went out of the world that the tomb was to be opened. A unique smell was emitted, which is never been seen before. One way or another, it smelled like myrrh from the monks that spread all over that the monks spread all over the church of the resurrection. But that smell was something else, something unique that I've never smelled before. But there is another detail that seems strange to you that I must mention. A long time ago, in the place of the tomb, the masonry behind it, inside the wall, and, and at the height of two meters, I found a wooden wedge of about 20 centimeters, and as soon as I looked, took it out, it had a very pleasant smell, and it smelled that way for three days. It had been there for 200 years. Normally, it would have smelled like rot. And yet... It smelled wonderful. 
He explained in shock, even now the tomb's maintenance is complete. We have two different tombs that I shared with you. Actually, three different sections, but primarily two different tombs. We have John, the apostle of Jesus, and his bones are still there. Or his DNA is still there. Now we go to the tomb of Jesus and his bones and his DNA is not there. Because Jesus rose from the dead. It was just not a spiritual resurrection. It was a bodily resurrection. So there would be absolutely, positively no doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. Many times when we as as when we don't understand things, we always put spiritual in it. But God in his wisdom knew we needed to go beyond the, the spiritual, that we needed the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And the elders stood up and they pre or they read the scriptures this morning of the the people who saw the resurrection. And the one that gets me the most. It's not the women. The one that gets me the most is not the, the women or the men at the tomb. The one that gets me the most is over 500 people saw Jesus at one time. So you couldn't go around this church and say, Hey, by the way, Dave, let's make up a story. <clears throat> let's say that Darwin raised from the dead and I saw his body. Or, or... Or, hey, Aaron, let's have the same story. Instead, over 500 people, there is no way, no way, that over 500 people uh, could, could come up with the same story unless it actually happened. So we have the proof of the resurrection. He appeared to uh, Cephas, he appeared to the twelve, he appeared to the brothers, uh, his brothers and sisters. He appeared to James <coughs> and all the apostles. He appeared to Paul, and eventually he appeared to over 500 people. More than the people of Mendon. 500. And that was significant. Because we are the only religion that serves a resurrected Savior. The importance of the resurrection is it authenticates the message of who Jesus is. And trust me, I take this very seriously. You know me. You, you know if somebody stands up and says, I'm a prophet, and what he says doesn't come about, I, I cast him off. That's what the scriptures say. And Jesus kept saying he's going to raise from the dead. And if he had not been raised from the dead, then like what the Apostle Paul says, we should be most pitied of all people. And then he turns around and says, but he has indeed been raised from the dead. I don't think the Apostle Paul would want to lose his head. I don't think Peter would want to be uh, crucified upside down. I don't think John would want to be on Patmos. Uh, on a prison colony. I don't think these individuals would want to be martyred if what they believed was not true. 
The resurrection proves that there is an afterlife. As Paul says, you know, he has indeed raised from the dead. He has indeed. And that's the first fruits of what is coming for us. And it gives us hope. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we know that someday we will too. You know, when you drive by the cemeteries, most cemeteries are this way. Not all, but most cemeteries. Most cemeteries are nothing more than a proclamation of the return of Jesus. You know that? Because most cemeteries, they're having you face, uh, the head is to the west and your feet are to the east. Why is that? Because when Jesus returns, the statement is, then you're going to be raised and you're going to see Jesus coming again. So central is this statement of the resurrection of Jesus that according to Romans 10.9 it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That is central. That is central to our belief. That Paul even says this. If, if Jesus, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, why is that so important? Well, and once again, that separates us from any other religion. It tells us that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is God, Jesus is deity, and Jesus is our Savior. Because he arose from the dead. God the Father accepted the sacrifice. Had he not, he would have thrown him away. His bones would be there. We, we, we would just be like Muhammad. You know, I showed you a couple years ago his grave. There he is. Or Confucius. I mean, his, his ashes were in this pillar of cement. Or, or any other of those religious leaders. We'd be nothing more than them. Instead, we are unique and we are special. We follow a risen Savior. And that's what separates us from any other religion in this world. So if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised from the dead, you will be saved. And the message of the resurrection is this. Is that eternity starts today. And what that means is, is, you know, if you don't know Jesus, today is the day to come to Jesus. It starts today. And it is not just a, when I die, I'm going to be living for eternity. It, what it's saying is, is that eternity starts today. Do you, you understand that? For those who follow Christ, eternity is now. Eternity is today. It just isn't when we breathe our last, it is now. You become a new creation, a new creature in Christ. And the message of the resurrection, if you truly believe it, should change you. It is not an issue of just saying, well, God, thank you for Jesus raising from the dead, I'm saved. And you continue to live the way we want. No, we are called to be the ambassadors of Christ and we are called to live Christ for others to see. That's the key. See, Thomas, if you remember Thomas, Doubting Thomas, 
mock him. You know, if I was one, I, I would have been Thomas. Yeah, right. This man that I've been following for years, he's raised from the dead. Yeah, right. I'll tell you what. If he comes and, and he shows up, I was still unbelieving until I put my hands in his wounds and on his side. And when Thomas saw Jesus, he said, my Lord and my God. And all the disciples were so convinced and knew that Jesus had risen from the dead that they were all were willing to go to martyrdom with the exception of John who died of old age. And then I think of a man named Polycarp. Who's Polycarp? Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. Raised in a Christian home, he was actually the, the first, second generation, first, second generation. What would that be? Yeah, John, and then Polycarp, and then, you know, so he's that next generation after the disciples. And at the age of 86 years old, the people of Smyrna took Polycarp out. And they took him to a hill. And you can't see it too well, but you have all of these houses. And there's like a, a white, can you see that little white streak right there? Can you see that? That is actually a, a wall. I can only zoom in so far. And they took him to that hill. And they said, recant Jesus. Follow our gods. And Polycarp said this. <clears throat> 86 years I have served Christ. Nor has he ever done me any harm. How then could I blaspheme my king who saved me? I bless thee for designing me worthy of this day. And this hour that I might be amongst thy martyrs. And drink the cup of my Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> On that hill. Polycarp was taken to a stake. And they put fire, uh, uh, wood around him. And they lit the fire. To burn him at the stake. But the fire did not burn him. Eventually the soldiers took spears. And he died by being speared to death. He was convinced and he knew. That in the next few hours. Polycarp was going to stand before his Lord. That his friends had told him so much about. That his family had raised him in a Christian home. And now he was going to see him face to face. I do not know what's going to happen in the year coming up. But I can guarantee you. Most likely some of us are going to see our Savior 
face to face in the year to come. And we might say something like, for 86 years I have served Christ, nor has he done me any harm. How could I blaspheme my king who saved me? Do you know Jesus? If you don't, we're going to have elders up here at each corner. We have a few songs we're going to sing, but during that time, I'd like to invite you to come and to pray with them. My prayer is that when you come to that point, you can say, 86 years I have served Christ, nor has he done me any harm. How could I blaspheme? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and to study and to share on this Easter Sunday. Maybe there's somebody here that does not know you, but Lord, I pray that today will be a day that eternity starts for them. Help us, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name.